Special shout out to Dollar Shave Club for sponsoring this episode and the podcast. Uh, I know you guys are thinking another ad, right? But I've been using these people for years or this company for years. Uh, razors, skincare products, hair care products. They have all sorts of stuff. And I'm telling you because I genuinely use them even before they sponsor this podcast. They got some great stuff. The subscription box is awesome. It comes in handy. You don't have to go out and buy razors. I know that's kind of annoying sometimes when you got to go just to the store and buy razors. And their razors are high quality. None of that cheap stuff. They have different tiers. They have different boxes you can include in like monthly. I get my stuff sent every month. Comes in handy. I never have to go out and buy razors or like uh, different products. They have like, you know, like I said, hair care, skin care. Also go to ScarfaceVisuals.com. Pick up some merch. We got a bunch of new products on there. A bunch of new designs. Go check it out. Seriously, you, you know, if you guys want to support the podcast and get something out of it, like a t-shirt, whatever, stickers, we have all sorts of stuff on there. Check it out and let's get into your episode. We're live. Welcome back to Mess with Moguls. It's your boy, the one with the scar face. Your boy, scar face. And today we're another episode. It's just going to be me on this one. But this one's a powerful story. Uh, he sent me some articles and things like that. And we talked. It was a graduation. I was doing a, a, a photo shoot at. And he told me a little bit about a story. And I was like, dude, you, you need to jump on the podcast, you know. And finally, I got it to work. So today on the podcast, we have Lee Tolson. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be here and share my story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I was going through, like I know you're you're working on a book right now. I know we'll, we'll get into that a, l- a little bit later. But you're working on a book. You've been through a lot. You're a coach, you know. And right now you were telling me that you're going to go out to uh, where was it? Columbus, Ohio. Um, so I'm coaching in a TBT tournament. It's a two million dollar tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a summer tournament with a bunch of pro athletes. And this year we get the opportunity to play at Ohio State. And in the first round game, I get to play against Floyd Mayweather's. Uh, basketball the, team, the money team, the money team, the money yeah. team. <laughs> yeah, do uh, you think he's going to be there? Uh, I hope so. You know, um, a lot of times those those boosters they show up to support their team. So yeah, that that'd be cool. Uh, I mean, but but I want to get into your story. I want people to get to know you and you as a person because uh, I feel like you have such a powerful story. Um, are you originally from, or where are you from? Because I know you're not from Idaho. Yeah, I'm from born and raised Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I grew up. You know, my family is there. Um, I have family in Louisiana, Houston, Mississippi, all in that area, mm-hmm. deep rooted from the South. Okay. And how long were you there for? I, in Louisiana? Yeah. I was born in 18, 19 years before going off to college. Okay. To Western Wyoming to play basketball. So how was that like growing up? Cause I know Louisiana in some parts, it's not the, you know, the best city in the world. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of violence that goes on, you mm-hmm. know, were you involved? Like, was that yeah. around in your neighborhood? Oh, yes. I grew up in the inner city, a single parent home. Mm-hmm. Um, mom, very self-motivated, went to school and finished college. But she still was a single parent, yeah. you know. And so she was she was trying to do it all herself with three kids and living in the neighborhood that I lived in. You know, there was a there was a lot going on in the inner city. You know, I had to be the guy that comes in before the street lights went off. You know, okay. because there's a lot of things that happen, you know, yeah. and so moms always say, hey, be inside before the streetlights go off. And so growing up in that environment, yes, it was tough, but it also helped mold the person that I am today. Oh, yeah. I would never change anything. Mm-hmm. It's taught me a lot, you know, and so I, I look at my upbringing as a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a lot of things that go on in the South, but a lot of things go on everywhere. 
You yeah. Know? Were, were, were you ever... Because, you know, especially in single parents, that you find a group of friends and they may not be the best group of friends. Were you ever, Did you ever get involved in that type of, like, uh, I wouldn't say, like, criminal activity, but that, that street life? I did. You know, when my mom and dad separated, I started to rebel a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. I, I started um, hanging out with the wrong crowd, getting in trouble. But to be honest, it was my coaches and my teachers who impacted my life who said, hey, Let's bring this in. You have a lot of talent. You have a lot of potential, mm-hmm. you know, and we're going to pull that out of you. And they inspired me to do better things and they motivated me and they pushed me. And so my coaches really had an impact on my life and it changed. It changed the way I, I thought, the way I, I processed things because they made me see the world in a different light. Mm-hmm. They said, hey, you can get out of your environment. You can get out of this situation, but you have to put in the work. It's going to be a little harder mm-hmm. than probably the person over here. Yeah. But if you if you put in the work and you just stay motivated and you write your goals down and you do those things and you try to reach it, you will be successful. And when my my coaches start teaching me about goals and things like that and and showing me how to accomplish those goals, because mm-hmm. I tell kids all the time, write down your goals, mm-hmm. all right, visualize it. And they taught me that and that every day I would walk in, I would see, hey, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to let anything stop me. Did I have hurdles? I did. But I kept going back to what people taught me. And I and, and in, my, in my book a little bit, or when I started motiv- doing motivational speaking, I talk about DNA. Mm-hmm. You know, and what that DNA means and what DNA means to me is everything like inside. I feel like we all have, um, you know, you can go to Google and search things. Mm -hmm. When you're going through something in life, you have things that you can go back to that's going to help you through hard situations. You know, and we're going to get into it later about my my heart attack and things like that. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that I was going through as far as being depressed, um, I could always go back to something that one of my coaches told me, push through, fight. Mm-hmm. That's built inside of me. That's part of my DNA. Mm-hmm. And so when I had those bad days, I could pull from that, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can pull from all the things that people taught me, my mom, my, my uncles, my aunts, my friends, my family, my coaches. Mm-hmm. And I, I can pull from those things. That's why I tell people, we, you, you, everyone has a strong DNA. You have something inside you that can help you through things. Yeah. And so I'll start talking a bit more about that when I start doing my motivational speaking mm-hmm. about DNA and what it means and, and how to build a strong DNA. When did uh, when did these coaches, was it in middle school? Was it in high school? Middle school, high school, my youth coaches. You know, when you grow up in the inner city, you need, you need strong, positive role mm-hmm. models. And it started for me at, at the youth league. And middle school, high school, my my high school coach, I still have a relationship with him today. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was a hard coach, but he's one of the top coaches that ever coached uh, high school basketball. Mm-hmm. He's ranked top ten in the country. Okay. Kenny Almond, oh, wow. one of the best coaches to to coach high school basketball, mm-hmm. and uh, you can look him up. Top ten, um, and he taught me he taught me a lot. He was hard on us. Um, but he, but he taught me. He taught me a lot. He taught me how to be a man. Uh, he taught me that life was just is bigger than just basketball. But through the game of basketball, he taught me a lot of life lessons mm-hmm. that make sense as far as teamwork. You know, uh, being on time, just those little things, important. discipline and Discipline. things like that. Yes, and and when I had my heart attack, 
you know, and we'll talk about it. You know, I was down in Louisiana. I was in my hometown. And 17 years later, he's still standing by my bedside. Oh, wow. Yep, he was there. Dang. Yeah, because yeah, I feel like I, I want I want to get like a timeline going that way. If, if there's like a coach listening or, or, or a parent listening, they, you know, you can you can stop someone going down the down the wrong path like you were. You know what I mean? Like I think we all kind of like make mistakes, it, it, and especially being in that city that you're in, you, you could have if they would have never like, hey, like you can you can do a lot a lot of things. You have you know write down your goals and you know just change your mindset. You could go completely the wrong way. You can. You, can. you know, um, I mean, when you grow up in the inner city, you could, you could be going the right direction. Mm-hmm. But you could make one bad move that can change your life. Oh, yeah. You know, I had a friend one time was coming home, visiting uh, friends and family, playing, playing college basketball, went out uh, with the wrong crowd, wrong situation, and fight breaks out. He ended up getting shot. Oh, wow. You know, just in great, great guy, mm-hmm. wrong place at the wrong time, you know. And then as the other side where you're constantly putting yourself in that, that situation, my mindset was always to try to keep myself out of those situations but be aware of things that can happen, aware of my area mm-hmm. that I know that I could walk down the street and get hit by a straight bullet, Yeah, you know. And so I was always taught to be aware mm-hmm. of, of my environment. Did you ever get that's a question like I had like just for myself. Did you ever get used to that violence since you're always around it? You know what I mean? Like you get used to like, say I'm around like with these, I hang out with a bunch of like entrepreneurs and business people. So I get used to that and other people are like afraid to come into that circle, but cause they feel like intimidated or something like that, mm-hmm. which I feel like that all the time. Mm-hmm. But like growing up in a neighborhood like that, do you ever get used to the violence? I, you don't get used to the violence. You get uh, used to your environment, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but you never get used to the violence because you, you're always you're always on um, the defensive. Mm-hmm. You know, you're always worried that something could happen to you. Yeah, you know, or you might hear gunshots, you know, at night, and that scares you. Uh, you might see fights that break out. You might see someone get shot. You yeah. know, um, and you never you never get used to that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm gonna tell you this. It, it makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. It made me stronger. You know, uh, I have an article um, that came out when I was younger and I was living in a rough inner city in Mall City in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I, w- I joined a Boy Scout. Mm-hmm. And I, I can send you the picture of this guy. He comes into our, our um, neighborhood and try to, he was trying to get the kids to sign up something positive mm-hmm. and i was the first one there to, to join the boy scout and it talks about how how this guy comes into our inner city and try to get the youth signed up for you know boy scout to, so that they can do something productive you mm-hmm. know? and uh, i grew up in a tough tough mall city area in baton rouge louisiana you know and so you i don't think you ever really get used to it you know um because so much happened Mm-hmm. I've, I've lost so many people in my life, mm-hmm. you know, and I carry those scars. But through the losses, I've I've become a stronger person. Mm-hmm. You know, it made me who I am today, and I would never change that. You know, um, and so, um, you know, you always hear about you know people being smart in the classroom, and also street smart. Yeah, and that's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 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 a smart individual. I'm also street smart too. Yeah, I get it. 
understand it. And sometimes you can't help your situation. And that's what I want people to understand. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if you, if you, you think about it, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, I'm, I'm nervous or to go into this situation. It's not always that bad, yeah. you know, or why, why, why are this person, these people acting like this? Mm-hmm. But think about this, you know, growing up in a single parent home, say mom or dad is not there. Um, Dad could be on drugs. Mom could be on drugs. Um, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Well, if 12 years old and you have so much freedom, you come home and you're home by yourself for 24 hours, are you going to do your homework? Are you going to come home and be disciplined to do those things if you don't have anyone teaching you that? You know, uh, what are you going to do? I'm probably going to make those decisions like, hey, I'm not going to do my homework. I'm going <laughs> to go hang out and yeah. and probably get in trouble. A lot of people that I grew up with was in that situation. Mm-hmm. I had a strong mom. You know, my mom graduated from Southern University. Um, she carried me while she was in college, oh, you yeah. know, um, and she worked. She's a, she's a teacher. She's over SPED department in her district in Houston now. Um, but she made sure that we came home, we did our homework, we did those things. But... She couldn't be there all the time. Yeah. But she was there. And I have some friends that didn't have their parents there. Mm-hmm. So what do you do when you're you're 12, you're 13, mm-hmm. you know, and you're in that environment that I grew up in, you know? And so that's what I want people to understand. That, I mean, sometimes you can't, you can't help it. So you need someone strong mm-hmm. to, to pull you in. And that's where my coaches came in. Mm-hmm. You know, they helped save my life. You know, I, I have a great relationship with my dad. It's just when my mom and dad separated, he moved and it was, it was just us yeah you know he wasn't always there Mm -hmm. so now i had to have someone else come in and say hey i see that potential yeah yeah and not everyone gets that opportunity so when did you start playing basketball i started playing basketball when i was 10 years old Mm -hmm. was it just like uh some local neighborhood yeah the courts and stuff like that local youth league um and just Going around playing in different rec leagues, mm-hmm. you know, that's when I started. That's when the the I started to fall in love with the game and, and, and sports overall. Did you did you and I'm sure you played through middle school. Mm-hmm. Is that when you wanted to take it like serious? Like you were always training, like uh, especially since you said you had a bunch of coaches who were there to mentor you. Mm-hmm. Was it in middle school where you decided to? That's what you want to pursue, or was yep. it later on? It was a, it was in middle school. That's when I decided that hey, I wanted to to go on, and I wanted to, I wanted to play high school and take it serious. You know, I had great middle school coaches, Coach Robinson. He's the best. I still have a relationship with him today. You know, um, and then I told myself at the middle school I wanted to play for the the great Kenny Almond because mm-hmm. I knew he was going to hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. I and he did. He taught me a lot and. Through him, I grew as a person. And from there, I went on to play college basketball at Western Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Um, but middle school is where it all started. I went to a rough middle school in Louisiana, Kenilworth. Kenilworth Middle School in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. It was on like it was one of the roughest middle schools in Louisiana, mm-hmm. always on the news. Okay. No fights breaking out, uh, kids getting robbed and things like that. You know, um stabbings and yeah i mean i went to i went to a rough middle school and like i said i I, i've learned a lot i've learned a lot i've lost a a lot of people that's close to me and Mm -hmm. i say all those things it just makes me 
person that I am today. So, so when you went to go play for Coach Allman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is there a process to get into that school since he's such a high, like top tier coach or is it like uh, if you're in that neighborhood, you get to play for that school? No, I had to, um, I had to waver over to Woodlawn. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I wasn't in the zone for Woodlawn, but the thing is coach Kenny, Kenny Allman, he recruited me. Oh, okay. He's, he was following me in middle school, seventh and eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he would come to a lot of middle school games and talk to me about Willow and had me come over and watch some games. And when, like I say, when I made that decision to go over, it was the best decision of my life because, like I say, he's he's a he's a great coach, but at the same time, he held he held us accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what position do you play? I played two guard. Oh, two guard. Yep, shooting guard. So, like, since he's like you said, he he was coming and like kind of recruiting. At that point, did you, or when you found out he was, did you like, oh, I think I might be kind of good at this, you know, like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, did you ever get that feeling? Yeah, well, at that point, at that point, I knew I was good. Oh, great. I knew I was good. I was one of the best (laughs) middle school players in the area. Okay. And so um, a bunch of my teammates actually went over, Mm -hmm. you know, I had a few teammates went over um, before me, you know, and so um, they would come in and say, hey, you should come over to Woodland. And I wanted to be with my friends mm-hmm. and I didn't want to go to, I want to get out of my environment. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go to the school that was in my zone. You know, I want to go to a school where it was more diverse. That and maybe more opportunity, more opportunity. Like, especially with that coach. gave me a lot of opportunity. So now you go to this new school, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, basketball season comes around or I'm pretty sure basketball, like the training season camp, whatever is mm-hmm. way before that. Mm-hmm. Um, were you nervous, like being coached under him? Yes, because or were you, or did you have that little ego thing? Be like, yo, he <laughs> he, he came and got me, like you no, know. No, no, no. Kenny Armour made sure you stay humble. Like, <laughs> I mean, you can look the guy up, um, um, but he was like, he's like him and Bobby Knight are really good friends, mm-hmm. and he acted like Bobby Knight. Kind of looks like Bobby. Knight. Oh, dang. You know, um, he didn't he didn't mess around, and I watched some of his games, and I saw how he got on players, um, and I was nervous going in. Because, yes, I went in, and, yes, he came and recruited me. But when I got on campus, I was like, who is this guy? It's like, yeah, like he doesn't even know me. He was yeah. so hard on me, yeah. you know, um, but he was pushing me. Mm-hmm. He was setting me up to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew going in that he was going to be tough to play for. Mm-hmm. But the one thing about Kenny Oman, if you earn his respect, you know, you're gonna, he's going to love you for, mm-hmm. for life. And we have a great relationship to this day. Yeah, because you got to – you got to be disciplined because some people in that are in your position that goes straight to their head. They're out partying. Like it's all about like the, they're, they're living that high. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm glad that he was able to, you know, bring you back down and be like, yeah, you're great. Yeah. But like, we still got to work. Yeah. So, uh, did you guys ever win any state championships yes. or anything like that during high school? Yeah. So Kenny Allman, we, we won on, we won the first championship at, at Willon. We went, and 99, 2000, mm-hmm. our team was one of the best teams in the state of Louisiana. Still ranked up there. We went 37 and one, 37 and one, and won the championship. You know, um, uh, it was a it was a great year. It was my dream year. It was a special year. Uh, we the year before we came close in the finals, but we ended up losing. Then the next year we had a bunch of guys returning. 
And we went we went thirty seven and one, which is really hard. And we were on, oh, yeah. we were we were playing tough teams, even out of state, Arkansas and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, the team that we beat had two top players, uh Brandon Mouton, who played for Texas, play, had played in the NBA a little bit. Uh Brad Boyd, who's one of my good friends that I coached in the T B T with. He played at the University of Lafayette. He's he's a he's a great shooter. Um and so they I mean, they were really good. They were I think they had only lost two games. Uh-huh. Um, it our game. I mean, I think for the high school game, we had about six thousand people. Our oh game wow! Watching, it was a big deal, and we end up capping off with a championship, thirty-seven and one. It was a miracle season. How about the season before that? You said you get, came close. How close? We was came it? free throw close. Free throw close. Yep. How did that feel? Like losing that? Like you're you're My like sophomore year, right there. Um, did you start right that there. year? I, it was my sophomore year. I was coming off the bench. Okay. Um, and I started, like, I was playing a lot mm-hmm. as a sophomore, which I was, you know, really excited about that. Um, but that year, just to see that ball just roll. I mean, I thought it was going in, and it just goes around and around, and it comes out, you know. That um, type of free throw. Like, yeah. Or, oh. Yeah, and we lose <laughs> like that. But we came back. We got focused. We had a lot of guys, like I say, returning. We said, hey. We're gonna win Kenny Alman his first one, mm-hmm. and we that focus through the summer was like, hey, we're gonna work hard for him. Mm-hmm. We wanted to go through a wall for this guy. Yeah, you know, we wanted to to get him a championship. His coaching mm-hmm. coached for a long time, and he he would always get there, and something would happen. And we got locked in, and we focused, and telling we that year thirty seven and one. How do you was that one early on or was it later? It was early on. It was actually we were at a we were at a tournament at LSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a big tournament they they put on every year at LSU. I don't know if they still do it. Um, and we had some things going on. Very talented group. Mm-hmm. We had some we had some things going on uh, as a team, which you always have that in your locker room. Um, and. We didn't come out. We didn't play together. Mm-hmm. And after that loss, we we came together and was like, hey, if we don't figure this thing out, we're not going to accomplish our goals. We worked too hard to get to this point to to, to break now. You know, and after that, we just went on a roll. You you remember how many wins you were in mm-hmm. uh, up to that point? Um, I would say I think we were like at 15 wins at that point before the tournament. Oh, so that loss kind of stings. Yeah, it's it's done because we didn't win. We didn't win. We should have won that 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 championship at at that at that tournament but mm. we didn't you know and that that kind of turned our season around to be honest um because if it wouldn't have happened early mm-hmm. it would have happened late you know and like so, a super crucial game mm-hmm. like in a championship game yeah you know we we get off to a roll in the championship game we start out of high school students we shooting the lights out we start out on the like a 15-0 run mm-hmm. but at the fourth quarter uh, St. Thomas More, they made a run. They made a run, but what helped us through is the loss that we had. Yeah. We said, well, hey, yeah. we've been here before, you know, but now we know how to get through it. Mm-hmm. Now we know how to push through it because we were playing together. Mm-hmm. When we lost that game, it was a bunch of individuals out there, and that's not how Kenny Allman coached. Yeah. You know, like I said, we just had some things going on, but we got that fixed. We got it turned around, and we came together, and we capped off a, a great season mm-hmm. yeah. so 
leading up to to this state championship, you know, like uh, were you starting this this year mm-hmm. or so you're getting a lot of play time? Oh, yeah, I was starting. Yeah, I never really came off the floor. Yeah. So, how, what were you like? What what kind of player would you say you were? Like, were you more of a like? Obviously, you played shooting guard. Mm-hmm. Were you like the the score? Were you like the? If there's somebody you can emulate, like a uh, professional, that way people can get an idea of how you played. I was more uh, of the passer. Or? No, I was more of a. I was more of a, a a tough nose. I was I was one of the best defenders on our team. I got defensive player of the year and all those. Oh things. wow. Okay. Uh, but I also couldn't also can score mm-hmm. we had we had a lot of great players you know uh barry whitley uh brandon dickerson who who played d1 he had uh first committed to the university of wyoming then he ended up going back to a school in louisiana uh we had a we had a six seven kid that was really good we were just talented mm-hmm. you know every night we could have four or five guys in double figures you know that's the way kenny allman wanted it mm-hmm. you know i averaged double figures you know like we had seriously we had four or five guys in double figures almost every game we played team get we take play team basketball yeah you know and so but i was one of those guys that could put it in the basket and at the same time stop the other team's best player and i took pride in that and i i won defensive player of the year two years in a row um i earned you know uh all all conference and all those things and so i really just took pride i took pride in that yeah because i i feel like when a team knows like each team member knows their role in their mm-hmm. in on the team it just works. You know what I mean? Like some people don't like to come off the bench, but if you're known to come in off the bench, then if you play that really well, guess what? Like the whole team is going to work really well. So yeah. would you say defense was your, your strong suit? Yeah. It was, Being able to guard their most, their best player. Yeah, it was, it was, it was one of my strong suits and, and coach, he, he, he relied on me. Mm-hmm. He's like every game, Hey, this is the guy you're guarding. And I took pride in it. Yeah. You know, I, I could be guarding a guy, I never forget Willie Zimmerman that played for Mississippi State. Guy was a walking bucket. I mean, I mean, he was a walking bucket, and I had to guard him in the semifinals. You know, his dad was a coach, and this guy, I knew that I had to play him. He would pull up from half court, you know, uh, but he played at Mississippi State, and I took pride in that. We ended up beating him. You know, I, I held him to, he was averaging like 38 points a oh, game, wow. you know, and I held him to like 20, you know, but I took pride in that, and I know that my coach, Kenny Allman, you know, he expected that from me. Mm-hmm. You know, he relied on me. You know, and so um, um, I took I took pride in that. And the one thing that you said about roles mm-hmm. is so true. When you understand your role, your role, you can accomplish anything. Not just on the basketball court and and, and sports. Mm-hmm. That's when whatever you whatever you do. I mean, if you even if you own your own business and you have other partners, if they don't understand their roles, they're never going to be successful. Yeah. It's the same thing in basketball. You see it all the time. You might have a talented group. But if not everyone understands their roles, you can have a lot of issues within your within your house. Yeah, it, it reminds me of uh, back when the Lakers had a. There, it was like one of the first super teams. They had like Karl Malone, Gary Payton. Uh, they had was it Shaq? They also had Kobe. Mm-hmm. But they lost. They lost all all this talent, all this power, but they lost because everyone was trying to play individual basketball. Individual basketball. Prime example is the Nets this year. Oh yeah. You know, everybody expected them to win. Yes, they had some injuries, but that last game, Harden was there, but they had issues leading up to that mm-hmm. as far as, you know, guys missing games. You know, uh, Harden wasn't really in the best shape coming in, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and all that stuff, I think, at the end caught up to him. Yeah. You know, uh, everybody expected on paper they're the best team in the NBA. <laughs> you know? That's what I thought. But they had something going on inside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we may never know. Like, you know – 
there's some things that go on in the locker room. Yeah, they may not show it on the on the court. And they're not going to tell you about it, obviously, on the media. But there's always something something going on. You something know, going somebody on. angry at somebody. Uh, and then later on, like you find out, like, like when Kobe and Chet got in a fight, mm-hmm. just because they were seeing eye to, weren't seeing eye to eye, mm-hmm. and you at that time you you would think they're the best of friends because all they all they do is win, you mm-hmm. know. But mm-hmm. you never know what's going on behind closed doors, even in real life. Mm-hmm. Like you never know what this person is going through just because you know they may you may see them and they're smiling they're happy but then when they're by themselves they're alone depressed you know what i mean like right. everyone has their, their own little thing yeah you you there's always things that go oh, behind yeah. closed doors you know and and in the game of basketball no matter what sport you're playing you're gonna have issues inside your house mm-hmm. but at the end of the day if you have a, a tight relationship, you're going to figure it out. And that's the one thing about the championship team that we had is that we were close. We grew up together. You know, you fight. You know, you, you do those things. But then you hug and make up. Yeah. You know, and that's how we were. We were just – we were close. We were close. So w- what about your senior year? My senior year, we, we end up making it to state but uh, losing early. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I took that hard. I took that hard because I, when I got the will on, I played, I, I suited up as a freshman varsity, mm-hmm. you know, which was unheard of, Kenny Elman's program. Mm-hmm. So I was in the program for a long time. And uh, for three years, we went to, we were either in the semifinals of the championship, mm-hmm. you know, and then my senior year, we didn't get there. But then after I graduated, it was another young group that guys that, that looked up to me and, um, some some of the seniors that played with me, they went on a run. They were one of the they were one of the best high school teams in the state of Louisiana. They went undefeated, won championships, was ranked in the nation. Oh wow! Yeah, and so and like I think it was two thousand two thousand one. Then they they go back to back. Oh, you know. Um, but it's it's what we did to lead to that point. They, that they, championship team. Yeah, they almost like they could do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like we can do it. Like, it, mm-hmm. cause sometimes it seems like a unrealistic goal mm-hmm. that you can make it that far. You're like, oh, we're okay. You mm-hmm. know, like we're not the greatest, but no, like even some of the worst teams, if, if you come together and you play, if you're, you know, just play together as a team, mm-hmm. you can get far. Right. Uh, I remember uh, way back uh, when the Dallas Mavericks won, when they beat the, I think, was it they beat, they swept the Lakers that year. Mm-hmm. They were playing horribly through the season. They barely made it. They were like eight seed. And then all of a sudden, they came together as a team. They played really well. They swept the Lakers, which with Kobe on it, like you don't, you don't, you don't do that, right? Right. You know. And then uh, that was when he like got mad at. But they ended up winning that year. Just at like an eight seed, like you're like. But uh, I feel like since you guys won the championship, uh, or even like push those doors over those, those barricades, you know, people thinking the, Oh, this school can't win, but you got there, you got to the championship. And then now this younger group, they're like, these guys can do it. Like we can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, 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 you plant that seed in right. Plant that seed is like, I, I felt good about it because like you say, you plant that seed mm-hmm. and you actually like when younger guys come up, mm-hmm. they look up to you. Yeah. You know, and I felt like a lot of those guys, they looked up to me. Mm-hmm. They said, hey, you know what? I want to be just like 
yeah. Lee Tolson. Yeah. You know, but I want to be better. Mm-hmm. This is like the attitude a lot of those guys had, mm-hmm. you know, and we, you know, the group that we had planted those seeds, you know, and we end up winning when, like I said, 37 and one, then my senior year, we end up losing, but I played with a lot of those guys mm-hmm. that end up going on that run. Yeah. You know, they were a little younger, but they were there. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they saw how I prepare for things. And then after I graduated, then it was their turn. Yeah. And and they went on, like, I mean, they went back to back. I'm telling you, they were, you can look them up. I mean, they're one of the best teams that, that come through Louisiana. They were ranked in the nation and everything. Playing it, on a national circuit. It reminds me of, like, when you guys lost because mm-hmm. of that free throw. Mm-hmm. So they probably took that loss and they're like, you know what, we're going to lock in again. But right. it, for them, it's their first time, like, really locking in. Right. Like, we're going we're gonna to do the same thing. Almost practically emulated what you guys did right right which is cool so when did you get your scholarship uh after my my senior year mm-hmm. you know i was like i was going between because i was a really good football player i had some things happen my senior year uh with my back i was getting recruited by a lot of d1 schools and my senior year i ended up hurting my back and they were telling me that my season was going to be over and i wasn't going to be able to play basketball um i it was one of those deals. It was a hard time for me. Mm-hmm. Everyone was asking me, hey, where are you going to sign? You know, Because I, I, I had coaches coming to the school, football coaches coming to the school, trying to get me to sign my junior year. You for know, football? For football. I was a really good receiver in the state of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And my senior year, I ran a slant, linebacker hits me in the back, and I couldn't get up. And I was you know, rolling out of bed, and I couldn't get up. went to the doctor, and I jacked my back up really bad, and they told me that my season was over, and I probably wouldn't be able to play basketball and run track. And I, I, I went in, in this state. I had so many people asking me, hey, what you going to do? Um, in the back of my mind, I'm knowing that a lot of my letters stopped coming. Mm-hmm. I was starting to get more, hey, you can walk on and do these things because I was injured all season. But the doctors told me that my season was going to be over, I ended up getting with a PT and, and working my butt off, and I actually came back uh, in our football playoff game. Oh, wow. So you were able to – I was able to come back and, and compete in one game in, in football and played my entire senior year of basketball and ran track. Were, were you ever afraid that you were going to re-injure yourself? Because you know how sometimes when somebody gets injured, there's always that that thing in the back of their head, that what if I get hurt, so they don't play – Mm-mm. as hard never, never i never thought thought about that i just had so much love for the game i was hurting because i wasn't doing it mm-hmm. you know and when i got the opportunity i didn't even think about that you know um like i said like the the hardest part for me was knowing that i was a highly recruited receiver and i ended up missing most of my senior year and scouts are at games and they just you know they i mean they're not going to give a scholarship to a kid that's that's hurt you know um like i said i if I could go back, I probably would have signed my junior year when I had the opportunity. I had schools like Memphis and mm-hmm. you know, like, like all kinds of schools just recruiting me for football. Um, and I love basketball, too. And I had letters in basketball. And so a lot of my football letters stopped coming. And that's when, you know, I really locked into basketball and said, you know what, I'm going to play basketball at the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so people get to know what school did you end up signing with? I played at Western Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what made you decide with uh, Western Wyoming? <laughs> I had I had some friends that we all went on a visit and and they decided to sign and so I decided to to sign and I also wanted to get out of Louisiana. I didn't want to sign sign in a school in, in my area. I wanted to get out and experience new things and I knew that it would be good for me to kind of 
get out of my environment so I can lock in and focus. But I can tell you this, when I <laughs> when I first got to Wyoming, it was a culture shock. Oh, I bet that's what I was about to <laughs> I, ask right now. I wanted, I wanted, when winter hit, I wanted to turn around and go back <laughs> home. I'm like, Mom, um, I don't think I can do this. And she was like, no, you're going you're gonna to commit, you're going to stay, you're going to uh, stick it out. Mm-hmm. you know. But uh, when winter hit, I wanted to turn around and go back home. But it ended up working out for me. It was the best choice I made. Was that the first time ever you dealt with that type of cold and snow? Oh, oh yeah. I didn't know what the snow looked like, to be honest. I mean, you see, <laughs> you see. Uh, and and when it when it hit, seriously, I seriously, this is this is no lie. I called mom, my mom, and I said, "Hey, I don't, I don't think I'm gonna be able to do this. This mm-hmm. is this is not this is not for me. <laughs> you know, I need to get back to to the south. I need to get back to the sun." And um, she was like, "No, stick it out. You're gonna you're gonna figure it out." And mm-hmm. I did. I mean, it, like I say, um, it was like one of the best choices I made mm-hmm. to get out to get out of my environment. So how how was uh how was the whole college career? Because I know like we're getting close to mm-hmm. you know to where you had your heart attack. Yeah. So like the, playing at that level, it was it was good. I learned a lot. It yeah. was it was different than high school. It becomes more of a business when you get to that level. Even in college? Yeah. When you get to college, it becomes more of a business. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like high school. You know, it becomes, hey, you know, the coaches have to win or they get fired. You know, you have to have success, you know, and and your mom can't hold your hand once you get to college. You know, uh coaches the coaches at that level don't don't care about that. Yeah. You know, they, they have a job to do. In high school, it's more, hey, the coaches they have to deal with the parents. They have to they have to, you know, deal with with the players and their mm-hmm. attitudes a lot of times, you know, and, and and help mold them at the at that college level. The coaches, you know, they're not a lot of times they're not gonna tolerate that. You know, you see it it becomes it becomes more of a of, of a business. Mm-hmm. You, know, you see it all the time, you know, the athlete goes out or something and gets in trouble. Guess what? They 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 get some type of discipline, you know, yeah. they're suspended or kicked off the team. You know, in high school, they, they they give you chances. Yes, there's discipline, but hey, you have an opportunity to come back. At the college level, you can make one bad mistake and it could change your entire life. Mm-hmm. You know, you can lose your scholarship, um, or you know, you could, you know, put yourself in a situation to where um, you don't even get an opportunity to to play. Yeah. You know? So so even if you're not performing. Uh, say you're not putting the numbers up or things like that. Do they cut you? From, I mean, yeah, like you, your scholarship. You can lose your scholarship. You know, the scholarship is uh, uh, on a, a one year basis. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're not, if you're not producing, they don't they don't have to keep you. You know, their colleges they're they're constantly bringing players in. Mm-hmm. You know, every year, every year they bring in recruits in. So you got to continue to raise raise your your game. Mm-hmm. You know. So um, did did you start in college? Yes. How, how was did you guys get close to a championship or no we were we were we were young we didn't we didn't get close to a championship um um we actually we actually struggled a little bit you know we my first year was we had like four freshmen starting mm-hmm. you know and we were playing against a lot of uh kids that had a lot of experience you mm-hmm. know? um but you know it was for me it was hard going from high school program yeah to a college where we weren't having success mm-hmm. you know so that that was that was hard for me you know and so um but i i learned a lot through that mm-hmm. that process too did, did you ever have the the goal to play in the nba too uh no no i i never had i never had that goal and 
I don't even feel like I, I was that good a, <laughs> a player to, to even make it to the NBA. You know, it's hard to even make it to the college level. You know, mm-hmm. not a lot of people get that opportunity to play at the college level. Uh, I was just grateful to to get that that chance and be one of those. Um, so what was your go- at that level? What was your goal in college? Like, were you planning on getting a, like a, a degree in some degree, sort of field? I want, yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to get my degree. You know, my goal was to to get my degree and put myself in a situation to where I can start coaching and doing those things because I love the game so much. I love making a difference and building relationships, and I wanted to use that. My mom would always tell me to use the scholarship to, to get your degree, mm-hmm. and that's and that's what I did. I ended up graduating from the University of Wyoming with my kinesiology degree and a minor in health. Mm-hmm. And when did you graduate? I graduated 2010. Oh, 2010? University of Wyoming. So after you graduate, do you go – where do you go from there? Do you stay I, there, or do you? I end up, I end up getting my first teaching job in Douglas, Wyoming. Okay, first teaching and coaching job in Douglas, Wyoming. I actually started, I actually started coaching when I got my teaching job in Douglas. They didn't have any jobs at the high school mm-hmm. uh, level. I actually started coaching at the middle school. Oh, okay. I first started coaching at the middle school um, level, and that was that was different for me because going into it, I'm like. I, I'm not going to coach middle school. I, I need to be at a higher level. Yeah. But actually it was one of the best things that ever happened to me, mm-hmm. you know, cause it really taught me to be patient, really taught me to work on those fundamentals and, and work through it. Cause when you're coaching at the middle school level, it's constant teaching, teaching, mm-hmm. teaching and organization, you know? And so it, it, it really taught me a lot. You know, it really taught me to really focus on those X's and those, Hey, you go here. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is important that you break the game down this way. You know, and so it, middle school helped me a yeah, lot in my coaching. Because I was going to ask, to me, middle school, yeah, you start learning all those fundamentals, mm-hmm. but it's also when kids are still growing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they're still, maybe they're wild and out. They're not even paying attention. They, <laughs> yes. They're they're all over the place. Was that, and I'm pretty sure that's where your patience came from, like having to deal with like these kids because they're they're on a whole different i mean you remember being in high school it's or not high school but middle school right you're just a wild little kid and yeah uh, having to deal with these like was it ever uh difficult at times like where you were like i don't know if i want to do this thing because it was it was difficult i mean especially when you have a a team a b team and a c team at the middle school level so you you have a ton of kids that you're you're having to, to work with and also, like you said, they're middle schoolers. They're all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so your organization has to be really, really good, you know, at that level. And so there were times where it's like, I don't know if I can do the middle school level. But I actually fell in love with it, mm-hmm. you know, because it brought me back to my roots, you know. What do you think helped you, like, w- with middle schoolers? You know, w- was it being patient with them? Was it being, like, super discipl- like super strict? Like uh, Both. Both. A little yeah, bit of both. Patient and, and, and strict. Um, and but like I say, I, w- I went back to my days in middle school. Mm-hmm. I remember how it was, and some of the things that my middle school coaches did for me, you know, that carried over in my coaching career when I started at the middle school level. Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, I knew that I had to be patient. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, you know at the middle school level, you know they're they're weird, they're awkward, they're 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 coming into their own. Yeah, they're learning, and so I had to go back and say, oh. I remember that when I was in middle school mm-hmm. and started to be patient. But the biggest thing is that I took the time to build relationships with the kids, you know, with the kids. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And it, it brought me back to when I was younger mm-hmm. and I had fun doing it. I had fun teaching and watching the kids develop. 
Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's what it's about, building those relationships and making them better, you know, on the court and off the court, mm-hmm. you know. And so middle school was middle school was good for me. And I was excited when I first got my 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 high school coaching. Was it in Wyoming too? It was in Douglas. You know, uh, I got my first my first coaching job at the high school. I was I coached middle school girls ninth grade. Mm -hmm. You know, um, um, ninth grade, and then the next year, I end up moving up to varsity assistant coaching with one of my good friends, girls. Cody Helenbo, mm-hmm. uh, and me and him coached together for a while. Great coach. He's one of the best coaches in the state of Wyoming. His girls, I mean, uh, they went undefeated this year and won the championship. You know, he has a lot of championships. Um, but I learned a lot from him. And then from there, my one of my good friends, Josh Goodrich, he was the AD at Douglas. A boy's mm-hmm. job opened up, and the and the boy's program was struggling. And he was like, he came to me and was like, hey, you, I want you to apply for this job. You're going to be the best person for it. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, I don't know if I want to put myself in that situation as a first-year head coach, you yeah. know. And then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, I can do it. And I felt like I can turn the program around, and I end up getting a job, and I actually turned the program around. We had a lot of success. Oh, wow. A lot of success. So I'm, I'm going to take it back a little bit. Early on, like, you're going over to, to Wyoming, right? Mm-hmm. Did you ever run into an issue because, I mean – I ran into issues with it all the time and still to this day because I'm brown. Mm-hmm. Did you ever run into any race issues? Like, uh, cause yeah. Wyoming is not the biggest diverse right, place, right. you know, yeah. did you ever run into any sorts of, not, not really, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, you, you have that wherever you go. Yeah. You know, I, I, I saw it and dealt with it more in the South. Oh, wow. I did in Wyoming, you know, Wyoming embraced me. And like I'm telling you, I have a lot of good friends in the state of Wyoming. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they showed me so much love. And we, you know, we'll talk about it later. Like even after my heart attack, I mean, people were reaching out from all over, you know, uh, just showing their support for me. And, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of, I have a lot of love for Wyoming. It's like, Wyoming is like my second home. Yeah. And, and, and that's glad to hear. Cause you know, like you said, uh, racism has happens wherever, you know, mm-hmm. and, and some of uh, our biggest People that hate on each other. Well, it happens in Mexico. They're racist against each For other. Sure. Like, why are you hating on another brown man? Like, mm-hmm. we're supposed to be lifting each other up. But I'm glad right. you didn't get a backlash. I mean, I run into stupid things every now and then. But, you know, uh, it happens. Yeah. I don't know if you... Yeah. I, someone I, gives you, like, a, a like a, a remark here. And you're yeah. like, uh, it's kind of racist. But, yeah, okay. I, yeah, I've dealt with it before. <laughs> but it wasn't anything you know, um, anything bad, but you know that wherever you go, that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's going to happen. But honest, honest truth, I never really had to deal with it in the state of Wyoming. That That's cool. Mm-hmm. So how long were you in Wyoming for? Oh man. I was, I, I taught, I taught in Douglas, uh, for eight years before moving here. But, Probably in Wyoming, fifteen years. Fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Oh the wow! School and everything. And, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you you said your your heart attack came in like what year was it? Two thousand seventeen. Yeah, twenty seventeen. So I was just making sure I didn't want to give a wrong date. So that wasn't that's really not that long ago. You know, it's only a few years. Were you, you were in Wyoming when this happened? I was in I was in I was living in Wyoming, mm-hmm. but when it happened, I was in Louisiana. 
just visiting family visiting family and how, how were you like health wise were you still like active exercising <laughs> that's the that's the that's the crazy thing mm-hmm. i was i was in really good shape i was i was doing crossfit i was doing crossfit competitions you know everyone knows crossfit mm-hmm. and you know you can go on online i still have my crossfit uh link you know to where i was doing you know competing to try to get into the games and stuff i had a group i would work out with every day mm-hmm. you know uh with, with crossfit i was in the best shape of my life when this when this happened to me Mm-hmm. And so, so bring me to that day. Like, what were you doing in Louisiana that day? That you know, before it happened. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll take you back just a little bit. Right, right before I left Wyoming. Mm-hmm. All right. So I went from Wyoming to Denver, Denver to Houston. I surprised my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, she didn't know I was coming. Um, and then from there, I went to. I drove down to Baton Rouge, so I did a lot of traveling. Mm-hmm. And so when I got to Baton Rouge, I was, you know, I was hanging out with 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 friends. And I and and the next day I woke up and I did a I did a little CrossFit workout. And I mean, I felt good. I I, I rocked the workout. Mm-hmm. I was feeling good that that day. And from my health background, I didn't have any symptoms or signs of anything going on, mm-hmm. you know. And so the day went on. I was fine and um, hanging with friends and we're, we're eating good. Uh, crossfish ball and you know like we do in yeah, the yeah. south you know and um that night i went out with some friends and and everything everything was fine and then i closed my eyes and when i closed my eyes i went to i went to i i went to sleep like normal mm-hmm. and then i woke up and that's when my life changed forever Wow. I woke up and I tried to get get up out of bed and I hit the floor. I couldn't stand. I had a sharp pain in my chest. Shit. That rocked me. That put me to my knees. Mm-hmm. And it's early, around six in the morning. And I, I crawl to my friend's room because I couldn't walk. Mm-hmm. And I tug on his leg and said, hey, something's not right. I need to get to the hospital. And... No one was thinking heart attack. Yeah. Not even me because I didn't have any signs of mm-hmm. heart attack other than I had chest pains. So my friend Lester Brooks, uh, which I love to this day, I grew up with him, and his, his wife Sarah, you know, they, they helped save my life because they were the ones to get me to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he said, maybe it's just heartburn. And I'm like, yeah, maybe it's just heartburn. So I laid around, I laid around for a while. And I was fighting this pain, a pain that wouldn't go away. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go away. And <clears throat> I was trying to get a breath, but it was like I couldn't get it all the way out. Mm-hmm. And so I'm laying there for hours, and I get this sharp pain. It was like someone dumped a bunch of needles down my throat. Damn. And I screamed, and I said, something's not right. Get me to the hospital right now. And when I screamed, Lester and Sarah knew something's not right. Mm-hmm. We need to get him to the hospital. And so, again, no one's thinking heart attack, not even me. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're having a heart attack, that window is that window is small. Yeah. Especially the type of heart attack when I'm going to tell you here in a second that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> no one was thinking heart attack. So we went to urgent care thinking that, yeah. again, something small. Mm-hmm. But I was struggling, you know. I couldn't. I couldn't really stand. I was slouched over. But I'm, you know. I was raised to be tough. 
And so I, I walked in, yeah. you know, and I get to the front and I, I look at the lady and there was a bunch of people in the waiting room and I can tell they were mad. I go up there and I say, hey, something's not right. I said, I've been struggling, I'm breathing for almost three hours now. And it's like she looked at me and she knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. And she got me back right away. I didn't have to wait at all. Mm-hmm. She could see it in my face. And they got me back. They start running tests. And I'll never forget this lady walking in and I could just see it. I knew something was bad, mm-hmm. you know, um, that she was going to give me some bad news. And she was like, you're having a heart attack. And we need to get you in the ambulance and get you to the hospital right away. We already called. We already have a, a team of doctors at in Baton Rouge, the Lady of Lake Hospital, uh, waiting on you. And I was like, just in shock. And then she told me what type of heart attack. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I was having a massive heart attack. You know, and that left vent- ventricle was clogged, uh, and that's that's the one that that takes you out. Yeah. You know, uh, they call it the widow maker because you only have like 30 minutes to, to, to two hours to, to, to get to the hospital. And again, go back. I was fighting it for three hours. And so they get me in the, the ambulance and I'll never forget, you know, I was starting to, to go in and out. And this lady was like, Hey, just, just hang in there. You're going to, everything's going to be okay. We already have a team of doctors waiting for you. And at that point I knew, um, that I had to keep fighting mm-hmm. because my grandfather died of a massive heart attack. My grandmother passed of a massive heart attack. I was 12 when my grandmother passed, and I was actually in the back seat when she was having a heart attack, and we were trying to get her to the hospital. Damn. I watched her eyes roll back in her head, and she was fighting. She followed all the way till we got to the hospital. And I was 12, and, and to this day, I still I still heard about that. But she, she had a massive heart attack. Mm-hmm. And so my whole thinking is like, I've been here before. And now it's happening to me. Yeah. Is this is is this it for me now? And I knew that I had to I had to keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. And they get me to the hospital and there was a team of doctors waiting. And they get me in and they're telling me, Hey, we're gonna have to have surgery uh, right away. This is what you have and you're having a massive heart attack. Um Time, time is precious because you've been fighting it for so long. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I was going in and out. They had me sign the little waiver form saying, "Hey, is you know this could happen? You could, you could die, you know." Um, and I looked at my friend Sarah, and I'm like, "Sarah, this is it. I need you to, I need you to um, call my family and let them know that this is what's going on." Because I, did, I didn't, when I was at the hospital, I didn't call my parents right away. I didn't call my family right away because I didn't want to. Yeah. I thought it was going to be something really small. Um, but when the doctors told me that, I said, hey, it's time to call everyone because I didn't know if I was going to make it out of it. Yeah. You know, um, and I look at Sarah and bless bless her heart. You know, I told her, hey, this is what I want you you know, to tell my kids. If I don't make it, you know, this is what I want you to tell. Mom, I'm, I'm, I'm giving her a rundown, mm-hmm. you know, of things to, to, to tell my family, you know, and and – you know, she's in, she's in tears, you know, and they took me back. They took me back. And at that point I was, I was, I was out, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they went in and they, they didn't have to cut me open or anything. They went right in to my hand here. Mm-hmm. I have the scar right here and they went in up and put in a stent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put in a stent and two hours later I woke up and the doctor looked at me and said, someone's watching over you today. 
He said, you shouldn't be here. And he showed me a picture of the blockage. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was a miracle that I made it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no one, no one fights the widow maker for about four hours. And he said, someone, someone was looking over you. He said, you're lucky. And he said, if it wasn't for the shape that I was in, I wouldn't be, be here to this day. And um, they ran a lot of tests. They didn't know what caused it, but they think that I had a blood clot, mm-hmm. that I did something and I broke it loose. That caused a heart attack. And then I go back to well, the reason I was telling you about my travel, because mm-hmm. I did a lot of traveling. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that can cause blood clots and things like that. And so <clears throat> they didn't know what, what, what happened, you know, and they think that it was a blood clot that broke loose that caused a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Dang that! Just the, it, it was just like a normal trip to go visit friends, surprise your mom, mm-hmm. go visit some friends, and then to where completely changes your life. Changes my life a normal trip, and I and I, I tell people all the time. They ask me, you know, uh, what does death feel like? When I when I was out, I didn't feel anything. It was just like I was sleeping. It was like I was at peace, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and if I wouldn't have made it out, that was really it was like I was sleeping. Yeah, you know. Um, and I go back to that day a lot of times and still to this day I think about it because I have these constant reminders and excuse me because I, I still get um, oh you're fine a little choked up about it um a why me you know I was in the best shape of my life I had everything going and then boom I get hit with that mm-hmm. you know something that should have killed me you know um and I look at I have pictures I took a picture with my mom that I still have on my phone. That could have been the last picture I ever took with her. You know, I have pictures with my friends. It could have been the last picture I took with them. Mm-hmm. I look at that. Life is crazy that way. Um, but God blessed me with a second opportunity. And he gave me an opportunity to see how much I was loved from all over the state of Wyoming, Louisiana. I had a bunch of friends in the waiting room waiting for me when I came out of surgery, you know, and I, I got opportunity to see how much I was loved, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I do go back and, and I think about that and it scares me. That could have been, that could have been my last time, my mom, friends, my dad, um, my kids, mm-hmm. you know, who I love to death, you know, But I, I, I still think about that day. I mean, I can see why. You know what I mean? Because that, you you said a little earlier, like that could have been the day where we couldn't be having this conversation. You know what I mean? Like, or those pictures that you took could have been used at the funeral. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it's it's really weird. And like, you know, I, I'm not going to say I know how you feel because I don't. You know, or a lot of people don't either too, but it's just to try to put myself in those shoes, that that would be 
be heartbreaking. You know what I mean? Like, especially for your parents uh, and your kids. Like, they're a lot, a little older now. But you would have missed out on all the, you know what I mean? So I, I, I get it. On everything. Yeah. You know, but um, like I said, I'll never change my, my upbringing. Mm-hmm. Because my upbringing taught me how to fight. Yeah. And I knew that I had to continue to fight just to to give myself a chance to watch my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just to be here a little longer. Yeah. Um, they say everything happens for a reason. And, you know, I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, it could be that my story could help others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the the part about my story that gets crazy that's going to be in my book is that I had a um, close relationship with my aunt who was like a, a mom to me. Well, my heart attack happened on May 28th. She was born on May 28th. When it happened, she was celebrating her birthday. And she was one of the first ones to call me. Mm-hmm. And where the story gets <clears throat> crazy is because we're so close. She was in remission. She had pancreatic cancer. And she was in at that point in remission for probably seven years. Mm-hmm. She ended up catching and having the, the Whipple surgery. Yeah. And very strong individual, uh, very God-fearing. Um, she was the first one to call me, and she helped me with a lot of things that I was I was going through, you know, uh, because she was going through it too, mm-hmm. you know, with chemo and things like that, and I talk about her a lot in my book. Um Two years ago, she lost that battle in oh, wow. 2019. Um, the cancer came back, and it was spread all over. But I got to spend a lot of time with her. I went down to Vegas. She was living in Vegas. Um, spent time with her. I went down three or four times before she passed. And when she passed, you know, all her kids were there. She was able to say her final goodbyes and everything. But through it all, she stayed strong. Mm-hmm. She stayed strong. But she, she helped me, you know, through a lot of the things that I was going through. And we would call for two years. We celebrated together. Yeah. You know, happy birthday, happy blessed day. Yeah. You know, uh, and we share that. You know, I have a tattoo on my chest with, uh, with, with a heart and her angel wings holding it with May 28th. We share that, mm-hmm. that day together. Yeah. You know, um, and so that's why May 28th stings even more for me. Mm-hmm. You know, because I lost someone that's really close to me, and I mean, again, that's a, a she was so outgoing and full of life. Mm-hmm. That's another one where I'm like, you know, why? You know, yeah, you know. Um, and when she passed, a part of me died too. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. No. Oh yeah. You know. Um, did that, because I know you mentioned that you, you, like, after your heart attack, you went through, like, a little bit, like, depression, like, all sorts of stuff. Did that just intensify it even more? Well, um, everything happened in 2017, so I had two years to work on that healing, but she was a big part of that, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I watched her fight, you know, and she never, 
she never complained about anything. She always was positive about it. Like she's going to beat it. She, so she taught me a lot. She taught me how to be strong, you know, um, in the face of adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> she actually helped me through some of the things that I was going through. When I got back, when I, when I, when I got back home, and a lot of people don't know this because a lot of people look at me and they say, hey, this guy's a strong individual, which I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all have those moments. Oh, yeah. Well, when I got home, I struggled. I struggled being alone. Uh, I was afraid that something would happen and no one was going to be around. Mm-hmm. I was afraid to shower by myself. I was afraid to take walks by myself, you know, because I was afraid, hey, this could come back yeah. and no one going to be around. You know, and I kept replaying that day in my head, in my head, uh, and I and I struggled. You know, um, I didn't want to go to PT right away. Um, I struggled with that, um, and it took my my physical therapist saying, "Hey, we need to get going." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Not up to it." Yeah, you can't tell me that I go from being a a highly fit guy. To you telling me that I have to walk on a treadmill for 1.5 speed for 10 minutes and then be done. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to do it. And I was doing little simple things like walking from the my front door to the mailbox and go back inside. I was tired. Yeah. That was a lot of work for me after surgery. Um, and that put me in a state like I can't even walk to my mailbox without being tired. And then I had this constant reminder because I had to wear this this vest mm-hmm. every day, you know, just in case something happened, you know. Um, and so I would look at that, and it was that constant reminder. Yeah. And I was like, this can't be my life, you know. It can't. It can't be. But I'll tell you what, I had a good support team, you know, the, the community, you know, that that and like I said, the state of Wyoming, they poured out, you know, in Louisiana, and my, you know, but the state of Wyoming, they just they just poured in. So much support and yeah. helped me, um, um, helped me get through a rough time in my life. Friends and family, you know, um, and my PT, she got me going again. Mm-hmm. She really did. And I, I remember when I first when I decided, okay, I'm gonna do this. That's why I say when you talk about your DNA, I was going through a hard time. But what helped me, I start digging deep yeah. of everything that people poured into me. You know, I like I have a strong DNA. I know how to get through it mm-hmm. because I have these little things that Kenny Allman probably told me. Yeah. Hey, fight. You know, he was there. He came in my room. I have a picture. I'll send it to you. But 17 years later, this guy was still by my bedside. That's yeah. the type of relationship mm-hmm. we had. We have. And he was in the hospital with me. He came in and saw me. Um, but little things that he probably taught me, hey, fight. Yeah. You know, he would always tell us to to fight, never give up, never give up. And I start thinking, what am I doing? And I start pulling. I said, I have a strong DNA. I'm going to start pulling. And those little things, fight, never give up. Push through. Have the right mindset you're gonna get through, and I'm just replaying all these things that people taught me, you know. And I finally was like, "It's not like me to give up. I'm a fighter. 
The next day, I got up and I drove to PT. I said, I'm ready. Dang. And she tells me, okay, get on a treadmill, 1.5, 10 minutes. I said, okay, here we go, 10 minutes. And I did that. And after those 10 minutes, I went from being super fit before the heart attack to that 10 minutes drained me. Mm-hmm. I was tired. Um, still, after that, I would go home and I still have, I was still thinking about it, constantly replaying it. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, a heart attack, I mean, it's a big deal. Yeah, especially that one. Yeah, yeah. And the next day I go in and she was like, here we go. 1.5, 10 minutes. I'm like, okay. And I was, I told her this happened in May, towards the end of May. And I told her I got selected to be the coach in the Wyoming uh, All-Star game, which is a big deal mm-hmm. uh, for a coach in the state of Wyoming. And I had three players that were seniors that year that was playing that game. And my goal was to coach them in that game in July. All right. And again, this happened May 28. And they yeah. told me that, I wasn't going to be able to do anything for a while. And I was like, you know what? Because I, I have to set goals, you know, like yeah. we talked about early. And I, I, I set that. That was a goal of mine to get back for that. And so now I have this goal mm-hmm. because at first I didn't have that. <laughs> it was the whole why me yeah. feeling, you know, down on myself. And then I was like, okay, I have this goal. And also my kids, all about my kids. And I start. Pulling from all these things, set your goals, know your why, why you're doing it. And that's when I started to, to come out of it. So I set this goal and I wanted to reach it. And so the next day I go in and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. So she says 1.5 for 10 minutes. I get to 10 minutes and I said, I need to do this. I said, can I bump it up to 2.5? I said, can I go two extra minutes? And she looks at me. I said, and I said, I need this. I said, I need to go two extra minutes. I need to go at 2.5. And she was like, okay. And I went two extra minutes. I went at 2.5. I got off the treadmill. I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. But I did more. Yeah, I told her I needed that, and so I started coming in, and I went from a one point five. Now, the next thing you know, and it's in the, it's in the article they talk about it. Now I'm at like three point five. Two weeks later, I'm walking three miles on the treadmill. Yeah, on my off days on PT, I'm I'm walking three miles. But again, I always did it with someone because I was still kind of struggling with everything. Yeah, um, but now I'm doing three miles, and I'm saying, okay, I'm gonna push myself, push myself. Um, <clears throat> next thing you know, I'm jogging a little bit and then I get back for July, the game come around mm-hmm. and I get an opportunity to, to coach because it's a week long, get an opportunity to coach in that all-star game. I reached my goal, you know, I, I reached my goal and that, that meant the world to me. Yeah. And ever since that's been my focus, but I'm not going to sit here and lie to you every day. I still think about it. 2017 because oh, sure. I have those constant reminders. Uh, but all I can do now is is uh, continue to to move forward, to continue to move forward and try to um, stay healthy and 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 
continue to 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 get better mm-hmm. get better how, how did that feel like just showing up being able to coach after everything you've been through like how did that feel emotionally did you feel like just breaking down or were you like motivated i'm sure you were motivated just to keep pushing you're like if i did this let me set another goal you know like you talked about it earlier write down your goals like so you can achieve them because i'm pretty sure you you show up day of you know the first day and i'm pretty sure you got this like feeling just like excitement yeah, yeah i was i was excited and you know even in the in the paper and the the the, the news and everyone they was like they didn't know because the state state of Wyoming they supported me mm-hmm. there. They didn't know if I was gonna be the coach, and they they talked about it like how it was good to see me on the sideline, and I got the I got a chance to coach three of my top players one more time. Mm-hmm. They were seniors, and I got selected to coach uh, to play in that sorry play in that All Star game, you know, and I got to be with them, yeah. and coach them one more time, and it was a special game. Um, <laughs> We end up, we end up. One of my players. It was a close game. Again, I just had a heart attack, yeah. and now I'm in a close game, <laughs> an all star game. And I'm on the sideline, and I'm and I'm I'm up. I'm screaming. I'm 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 being myself. Yeah, you know. Um, and are they telling you like Lee, calm down, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, calm down, calm down. And that's just not me. Um, one of my players that I coached end up being at the line. Mm-hmm. To win it, <laughs> he had to shoot free throws. Dang! And he gets up, and we and the other team calls a timeout. His name is Ty Larson. He was he he, he was he's one of the managers at Texas now. But last year he was at Texas State mm-hmm. for basketball. Uh, guys, he's going to be a great coach one day. Uh, and he's under uh, Coach Beard and that staff, and they just love him down there. And he was at Texas State. But uh, if you go back to last year, ESPN, I mean. This guy blew up on social media. Coach Beard uh, put him in a game. Oh, dang. <laughs> he played for Texas Tech last year, mm-hmm. and he made top 10. Because when he goes in a game, you know, he's a manager, and uh, they, they they love Ty. They, they love Ty down in Lubbock, and they were chanting his name on TV. TV <laughs> put him in, put him in, you know. Uh, he played He played college basketball two years at a JUCO uh, but th- before going to Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're cheering him on, go in, and Coach Beer said, you know, told him because he called me. He's like, Coach Beer said he's gonna put me in a game this year for senior night, um, so senior night, and he's like, I'm nervous. He's like, I don't know if I'm gonna go in, but I'm gonna suit up, and it was so cool. It actually brought tears to my eyes when I saw him on national TV, and he goes in a game. It probably was like 20 seconds left, yeah, but he goes in a game, and he takes a charge, <laughs> takes a charge. And everyone starts cheering. <laughs> everyone started cheering, and they made top ten on ESPN. Yeah, the guy's Twitter went up. But now, and he's doing such a good job. Coach Beard just got the job at Texas now, mm-hmm. so he's over at Texas. But he's one of the players that came over uh, during that timeout because he was going to the line. Mm-hmm. And he looks at me, and he's basically, he's, and he's like, "I have ice in my veins, Coach. We're gonna win this game." And he goes to the line and knocks down both free throws, and we win it. Oh. That's, that's the game I had coming off heart attack. Yeah, but it was it was a special game. Oh yeah, special because one of my players stepped up and to the line and made those free throws late, um, and I, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Dang, that's 
any other way. And and again, those are, I mean, it's it's right there. Is their article out about it too? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it was special. It was special. But it's like after that, you're gonna, I'm gonna have that type of game. <laughs> at the heart. I'm gonna have a close one, but we end up winning. It was special. Yeah. It was special. Yeah. No. I can only imagine like people around you that they obviously know what you've been through. They're like, yo, like calm down a little bit. Like, yeah. don't get so worked up. And then it being a close game. And then as soon as you said free throws, the first thing that I thought was back in when you guys lost the championship. And I'm like, so he's like over here. All oh, like the adrenaline is going, the tent, like your tents. I'm pretty sure it was uh, just a crazy mm-hmm. environment, you know, like the, yeah. Especially that close of a game. It, it, it was crazy. And um, when he stepped up and made the, the free throws, it brought tears to my Oh, I bet. To win the game like that. Mm. You know, a close game after everything that happened. And one of my players, like I said, I had three players play, got selected to play in that all-star game, and they all played great. Um, but they had one of my players that moment step up to the line and win, and it. win it for me. They wanted to win it for me. You know, um, that's that, yeah, that's a real special moment right there. So, you know, this game is over. What do you do next? Like, because you go back and start coaching again, or are you just trying to work on your like getting yourself better? Or, like, I I started working on myself, getting myself better, um, and getting prepared for the upcoming season. Mm. You know, um, I knew it was going to be. A tough season because I lost seven really good seniors, mm-hmm. and going into that season, I knew it was going to be an uphill battle, and so I start preparing myself, getting myself ready um, for for the season, and working on myself. Mm-hmm. You know, getting back to working out. Um, you know, trying to figure out how to get through some of the things that I was still dealing with. Yeah. I was just working on myself. Um, and I got prepared for the upcoming season. And, you know, we started out, we started out rough because it was a young group. Like yeah. I said, we started, I lost seven seniors, but we ended up turning, we ended up, we ended up turning the season around. I mean, it, and that was my last year in Douglas before moving here when Thunder Ridge opened up. Okay. Yeah. So that, that was, uh, what, what made you, move just another opportunity or that's a, good, that's a great question that leads into um it was my it was my oldest son you know when i was in in western mm-hmm. you know i um um had a i had a son mm-hmm. young um, and his mom is from 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 here she's from rari okay um she played college basketball um and when the new school opened up, I was ready for something different. And I looked at it as an opportunity to be able to coach my son for two years. He's going to school at IF. Mm-hmm. And I ended up applying and getting a job. And it was like the best decision I made to be able to be there and coach him his last two years. Uh, he, he he made the decision. When I moved over here, I told him, I said, hey, it's not going to be any pressure to come play for me. But he wanted to play for me. Mm-hmm. You know, he... he he was actually there because uh, he would come visit during the summers and stuff. He was actually there sitting. Oh, I have a picture of him sitting. Uh, I think he was maybe a freshman, but he was on the sideline at the All-Star game. With oh, yeah? Me. Yeah. Oh, nice. Happened with the balls and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was there oh, wow. to, to witness that. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wanted to play for dad. You know, 
he he wanted to play for me. He came over, and it was the best uh, move he made because he grew as a player, uh, and I got an opportunity to to coach him. And he knew it wasn't going to be easy because mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's not it's not it's not easy to to to, to play for me. Yeah, you know, I, I I'm not I'm hard on the kids, but they know it's coming from a good place. Yeah, you know, my my players will go through a wall for me. Um, and he came over a new school, helped build a, a program. And now he's playing. He just had his freshman year at Eastern Wyoming, okay. and he started as a freshman. He had a great season. Wow! Um, and he's he's going back next year, but he gets his year back. You know, the freshman um, with COVID, mm-hmm. uh, all the athletes get a year back, and so he's going back as a freshman. And he had a great oh great wow, really year. yeah all, all at every level, you know. And so he gets a year back, so um, he gets to go back and play another year as a freshman and still have three years if he decides to leave the JUCO to go on and play. But he's had a great season. He, he started for Eastern Wyoming. He's playing for a great coach oh, wow. under Coach Mosier mm-hmm. at, Eastern, at Eastern Wyoming. So when you said you got the coaching job here, I, I just want to make – you said Idaho Falls because there's Idaho Falls High School oh, or, or Thunder Ridge? Thunder Ridge. Thunder okay. Ridge. I was in San Caden. He played at Idaho Falls oh, okay. before uh, I moved here. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. But you were able to coach your, your son for – Yep, his junior and senior year. How was that? Like, because sometimes when you get the coach and kid on the same team, mm-hmm. it's uh mm-hmm. like because you were co- co- coaching him directly, right? Like, it wasn't like oh, you were just showing up to the game, right? Yeah, I was his coach. Yeah, did you ever get a, a backlash from like parents and stuff? Because there's there's always those like oh, it's coach's son. Mm-hmm. Nope, I never got that. And and a lot of parents around here, they know. How I am, I don't show any favors. Yeah. You know, if my son wasn't the best player, he wouldn't have played for me. He wouldn't have started, and he knew that coming in that it was going to be hard playing for dad. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I, I told him, "Hey, I'm gonna be harder on you than anyone else because you have those expectations. People are always watching. Mm-hmm. Say, oh, coach is only playing this kid, you know, but you know because you know, and I didn't want that. I'm not that type of person. I didn't grow up that way. Yeah, and I told him, hey, I'm not going to give you anything. You know, you see that a lot now, though. Oh, yeah. You know, you see it a lot. I mean, you could have a um, coach's kid and they're, you know, know that they're not good, but they're still playing them over yeah. someone that's, that's better. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. And the, the parents, the parents, they know that about me. Yeah. And there's a lot of times where people are like, man, you're hard on him. You're hard on him. But he, but he, he took it, you know, and, and, and then, and I didn't have to get on him a whole lot. He just knew what I expected. I expected him to always work hard, yeah. always be that leader. And he was one of the—I mean, he's one of the—he was one of our um, better players. And so no one could really say anything. But it, he also worked hard, too. Yeah. You know, and when he didn't, I got on him. I let him know about it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and so we never had any problems because he—we—he knew that I wouldn't put up with those things. He knew that I wasn't going to treat him any different than I would someone else. So, so what made you decide to get into? Because right now, you uh, when we started the podcast, you said that you were going to go uh, do the summer summer pro league, the like, TBT, yeah, the TBT tournament. Well, how did you get involved into this though, too? So, um, it first started with Louisiana United. You know, mm-hmm. being from Louisiana, I had a guy that I know that started the the program, mm-hmm. um, the Louisiana United, and Tyron Tyron Johnson, Barry Whitley, and Jeremy McNeil. You know, they they started and they was like, "Hey, we're gonna do the TBT. We're gonna apply for it to get in. Uh, we have a really good team." Of, and it's mixed of a bunch of guys, a bunch of pros. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it was like, "Hey, do you wanna do you wanna help coach?" And I was like, "Yeah, I want to do it. I want to yeah. do it." Um, 
and it was a great opportunity for me to, to be around the game even more. And the funny part about it, the guy that we beat in the the team that we beat in the state championship game, I was telling you earlier, Brad Boyd, that yeah. I'm good friends with, he was a shooter. Um, he actually coached the game with me. Oh, so really? we coached for Louisiana United together, and I still talk to him about how you know we beat him in that championship game, <laughs> and um, it was great. We we had a really good run, and we ended up losing to by one to the team that won in three years in a row uh, overseas elite. You know, overseas elite last year during COVID in the TBT, uh, they had Joe Johnson okay. play for him, you know, uh, the great Joe. Um, and we ended up losing to them by one. It was a heartbreaking loss. You know, we, we had the game. and it, is, is that league almost like Ice Cube's league, the one that he has? Uh, yeah, and it's um, the, the three on the big three. Yeah. Big three. Yeah, I forgot what it was yeah. called, but now, yeah, but this is just a five on five, you know, um, mixture of regular yeah. players and then like pro mm -hmm. players. So a little bit of yeah. everybody. Yep. And it's, they're sponsored. Well, TBT sponsored by Puma. And, uh, it's, it's a big deal. It's one of the biggest leagues during COVID. They, cause it's a, they select 64 teams, mm -hmm. but last year because of COVID, I think it was 24 teams that they selected. Um, but everyone tuned in and was watching it, and and it's on every channel. Yes, mm -hmm. on ESPN. Mm -hmm. You know, we we're gonna be playing our first game on ESPN three. You know, do you know um, what date that we? Um, that game is I can tell you right now. Now we can tune in. Yeah, it's it'll be July twenty third at two p.m. Uh, Eastern um, at Ohio State. It was, Playing at Ohio State, okay, and, the money team, and you you screenshotted that and sent it to me, right? Yeah, that way, yeah. like whenever that day comes up, you know, we'll go ahead and share it. That way, yeah. people can tune in and be like, "Hey, look, yeah, please <laughs> please go out and please go out and support the region." You know, please go out and support the region. Um, we have a, we have a good team. We're playing against a really good team. We're ranked uh, the twelfth seed in this, and the uh, Florida Mayweather's team is ranked fifth. Oh, day, so, yeah, we're gonna oh. have our, we're gonna have our hands full, but we'll be we'll be ready. That's pretty awesome. You're you're getting involved in things like that and not not just for yourself like the the kids you coach your kids they all see this you know what i mean like even when you mentioned earlier like the the following team that was after you guys when you lost as a senior were able to like go and do back to back mm -hmm. you know people are always watching you like no even if they don't tell you mm -hmm. even if they're not like hey like I'm, i'm watching you or you inspire me or things like that you always do like And and it's weird, like when people, I'm pretty sure randomly somebody will be like, "Hey, like you inspired me to do this," like especially because of your story. And hopefully, you get that a lot more uh, as soon as this podcast comes out, because you know I I get it every now and then. They're like, "Hey, I love what you're doing," like especially you, you went like I went from working like a labor regular nine to five job to having like my own company, a podcast that's doing well. You know what I mean? And like me, I'm just having fun. But to other people, like these stories are inspiring them and they're saying that I'm like, I'm just sharing the stories. You know what I mean? Like getting the opportunity to sit down like with yourself and getting to know you and like what drives you, you know, to get to where you're at right now. Because a lot of people will see you going to coach this thing and they'll be like, ah, oh, well, he got it easy, but they don't yeah. know the whole entire story. Mm -hmm. You know, they may know a little bit here, a little bit there, but as soon as like, you sit down and actually just talk about your story and that what motivated you, what molded you to get to where you are. And of course, like you said, you still struggle with it and you're probably going to struggle with it for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but 
you're always constantly like finding, you know, ways to push yourself to get, you know, get over it. And I'm pretty sure it comes from all your coaches, uh, your family. Uh, you said it was your grand grandmother uh, who passed away. Yeah. Yeah. Who passed away of uh, cancer. Uh, my aunt. Your aunt. Your yep. aunt. Okay. Yep. It was your aunt that would help you. Like she instilled a bunch of things in you yeah. to to help you. Like, you know, you, you talked about early, it's in your DNA now. Yeah. Like, and now you just, you reach in, you pull it out just to get you past. And then you, it, you just become stronger. You You become, you know, like more, you're not completely fine, but you, you can get th- through things. You know you can get through things. You know you can push yourself in, which is really cool. And I hope people get to hear that from you. You know, and like, just keep pushing. Yeah, keep pushing. No matter what your situation, you could have, after your heart attack, you could have just been done there. Like, you know what? This isn't going to be my life now. Zero motivation. Exactly. Zero motivation. But you, no one's going to come and be like, here's your motivation you're looking for. You have to, and I'm glad, it, like, the way you talked about it, you like, just one day, I'm, you're just like, I can't do this. And you just found that motivation. Like, it's, n- it's not going to be given to you. It, no one's going to show up and be like, come with me. I'm going to show you the way. Like, you have to pull, like, whether, whatever you believe in, like, it could have been put into you, like, by God. Like, if that's what you believe in, like, because uh, you know how some people believe in different things. But it was put in you somehow. Mm-hmm. It's in you. Mm-hmm. And you just gotta, you know, you just gotta find that. I was always taught to never, to never give up. Yeah, and you have to go back. You have to go back. Like, think about like another tough time, like where you you were able to get past that, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm pretty sure that's what you 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 talk about. It's like finding those times where somebody like motivated you to mm-hmm. do something to right. to push you to get past this bad time. Right. Like, and what's gonna get you past this time? This time, you know, and and. Like I, I, I go back, I go back to even what lessons that my parents taught me, mm-hmm. you know, is to, to never make excuses. You know, even when I was going through what I was going through, uh, it was easy for me to make an excuse, but I chose not to, you know, uh, I chose to, Hey, get up and, and fight, get up and figure it out. Cause no one's, like you said, is going to give you anything. And so I knew that I had to, I had to figure it out, yeah. you know? Uh, in my in my own way but i i did have a support team to help me too yeah oh yeah because that's that's big and i'll tell everyone that's listening to this i talk about in my book you have to have a great support team Mm -hmm. you have to you know you can't hold it all in Uh, because when i try to just do it myself i struggle i struggle and i finally had to tell someone hey i'm struggling you know i i'm i'm afraid to just to, to go to bed by myself. Yeah. I'm afraid to stay up by myself. I'm afraid to walk by myself. How can I get through this? Yeah. You know, and so having that support team, you know, um, you, you, you have to have that. You, you have to have a great support team when you're going through. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you bring that up stage. because, uh, I've had other people on the podcast too, and they, and they talk big about support, mm-hmm. like having that support team, having that support, like that structure there. Don't be afraid to reach out because there's always somebody willing to help. I know some people think that, oh, no one's going to want to help me. You know, like it's all, it's, I have to do it. I have to do it. But no, like as soon as you're like, I need help. Mm-hmm. Like, can you help me? And the right people will fall, fall in place that you need, yeah. you know? And then even if someone doesn't help you, you learn who's there for you and who's not there for you. You know what I mean? Like it might be a hard lesson to learn, like, uh, but you get to learn those things. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, who's going to be there. Exactly. Thing. 
yeah, like I, I, I known a bunch of people, but as soon as like I start getting, I'm not saying I'm successful, but like a little bit of, oh, hey, like this happened to me. They start being like kind of jealous and like uh, they don't talk to me anymore or they say, oh, he thinks he's too good. I'm like, no, I'm just, you know, trying to do better. something. Better. Yeah. Better, better myself. Yeah. Like conversations like this, I'm like really motivated I, I I would write down my goals before, but I haven't done it lately. And now I'm like, I need to get back on that. You know, just like hearing your story and like how you write goals, even if it's like a little goal from like a month from now, two months from now. Right. Accomplish that, write a new one, mm -hmm. you know. And and I'm big on that. Even like I, I made a big old banner saying that I'm going to have the biggest podcast in the world. Right. And this other girl, she's like, your, your banner's wrong. She's like, you should change it to you have the biggest podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're right. Just changing the, uh, changing words around yeah. like that can change your life. So it, 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 I'm glad you came on. Yeah. I got really motivated. You have such a powerful story, you know, and I'm glad you got to share it to other people who don't know you or know your story. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you said your book is coming out soon. I, I, yeah. I actually really <laughs> like the, the the title of of your book because when you sent it to me, I'm like, oh, that's pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. It's a uh, what is it? It's the driving. Yeah. The driving you. And, uh, my heart almost killed me and now it's my greatest strength, which I was like, that's like now if it's even more, you know what I mean? Like after getting to know your story, cause at first, yeah, that sounds like a, a, a motivational quote, you know, or something like that. But once you actually get to know you, you're like, all this makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when does your book come out? Um, I'm, I'm hoping by the end of the month or beginning of August. And where is it going to be available? On all platforms on Amazon. So is it going to be just digital or is, are you going to make physical copies? Yeah. Yeah. Everything. I, I want, I actually want to do a audible too. So I'm working on that, finding someone that can record it too. So I want it on all platforms. Are you going to do the narrating? I don't know yet. I think you should because the, I, I do audible a lot. Okay. Uh, and cause I, I, I have a tough time reading. Um, I get super distracted and like all of a sudden I read like a few pages and I remember nothing that I just read, <laughs> but with audible, I'm able to, uh, to like sit down and actually listen to it. Like uh, when I'm doing cardio, like I'm going to go work out right after this. Uh, when I do cardio, instead of like listening to music, I put on a book, you know, and I just listen to that and I'm able to like, you know, soak in a lot more, mm -hmm. you know? And that's why I always push audible, like, uh, to, to people if if you're not a big reader but i like it when the actual author reads it, reads it because you get that personal feel i don't know if that makes sense yeah. compared to somebody else who's going to read it that has nothing attached to it yeah. besides like if you paid them or whatever but when you like if you read it like you can get that emotion you know that especially in certain parts where there's that it's it's like deep even if you make those like pauses which are perfect so you can like soak in all the information. So if, if you get a chance to do audible, I, I suggest you do it. Okay. You know what I mean? Like if, if you have a hard time, uh, I don't know what kind of like files and formats and stuff like that, but, um, uh, cause like this is a high quality recorder. So like if, if anything, like, you know, we could sit down and you can read it here. Okay. You know, we, we can figure something out like that. Cause I, I think that would be just powerful okay. for you to read it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? The best books that I've, listen to on audible the author has okay. has has read the book or narrated the book i should say mm -hmm. so but like i'll, I'll definitely I'll get uh we'll even do a giveaway 
uh, whenever you get your books come out, I'll get I'll buy a couple of them. We'll get you to sign like sign them. We'll give them away to some people that way people can get your story, and then the actual one from the author himself. I, I I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate that. And you know, they always say that. And I, I actually I love what you're doing because I, I went to your your Instagram page and I I, I really um, I love what you're doing and and I'm blessed to have really good people in my circle and mm-hmm. you know the people that I know um, and they say you can tell a, a lot from a person when you can sit across from them oh yeah and listen to them and look them in their eyes and I can just tell you just a genuine guy oh and, yeah I love and, doing and that this you're, and you're doing it because you want to help. And that's what it's all about mm-hmm. is when you, you're doing it for the the right reasons. Yeah. You know, uh, and when you're doing things for the right reasons, that's when you're going to reap all those benefits. Yeah. Yeah. See, you know? like me, I like I would rather like your book, if it came out on Audible, I would rather have it come from you. Mm-hmm. Just because, like I said, you get that different emotion, like that you actually trying to push. Like if you say you pay Joe Blow over here, right? whatever x amount and he reads it he's just gonna read it he may narrate it kind of well but he's not gonna put that same emotion into it like where it actually hurts where you're actually like trying to uplift people like it it's weird you you can't you can't act that you can't like imitate that so like i said if you if you can't figure it out or if you can tell me like what kind of files you need i I can see like if this will record that uh it's it's a high-end recording device so you know so hopefully it'll work out yeah i appreciate that but like like i said definitely send me the link whenever your books go live the physical copy ones yeah that way i'll buy a couple i'll have you sign them and then we can give them away that way people can get to get your book as well too hey thank you so much i really appreciate that and i yeah uh so what's next for you like what so what's next for me i'm really focusing on um i want to get the book out Mm. um starting my motivational speaking career mm-hmm. and so our business um i joined the next level speaking academy and my mentor is jeremy anderson and I, i'm i have a family full of great speakers that i'm learning from mm-hmm. right now and i love being in the next level uh, speaking academy i've learned so much and i i want to get an opportunity to start getting out to schools and getting my story out and and motivating others Mm -hmm. you know i have that ability to 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 motivate and being in the next level speaking academy has taught me hey you have a story get it out you also have opportunity to to help others because for for a while i didn't want to talk about it yeah i didn't want to talk about it and i heard jeremy anderson speak a few times he he speaks at a lot of schools and stuff he's a he's one of the top motivational speakers out and i was like you know what i want to I want to be a part of his 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 group, mm-hmm. and once I got got in, they the the classes and stuff challenged me, but it really forced me to open up, open up, and so um, I have uh, the website coming out soon, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a raise the bar, raise the bar, and the reason I came up with raise the bar, and I I'll, I can send you the the logo that the team put together for me, mm-hmm. is because raise the bar is. Constantly just raising those expectations, you know, uh, always setting your goals high. Yeah. So raise the bar. You can continue to raise the bar. And so um, um, I came up with raise the bar because it, it means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. You know, we can all just, we can all raise that bar. We can always set our goals high. You know, we can always inspire others. 
continue to raise the bar, continue to push forward no matter what you're going through in life. Um, uh, yes, it might be something that might devastate you, but on that time, don't give up, you know, um, figure out a way and, and, and you just continue to continue to climb. Mm-hmm. And so raise the bar. Everyone can relate to that. Not just athletes and students. Everyone can relate to raise the bar. Yeah. You know, um, and so just even in your field, raising the bar, you know. Um, so I have that, have that, that I really, I'm focused on and I'm, I'm hoping to get into some schools and in August and be able to go around and just tell my story and inspire others. Yeah. You know, we, I know, I know that my story can help. Oh, most definitely out there, you know? So before we go, say somebody's laying in bed right now, going something similar. What would you tell them right now to help them get through? I would tell them, I would tell them that, Hey, I understand. Hey, and the road is not going to be easy. Because sometimes, sometimes, you know, you run across people that say, oh, just get over it. It's not that easy. You can't, when you go through something, uh, trauma or anything, it, you, you can't just get over it. But I would tell that person, hey, it's not going to be easy. But with the right mindset, a positive attitude, uh, and a never give up attitude, you will get through it. You will get through it, but you have to believe it. And um, and that person might that's laying in bed might feel like, hey, I don't have anyone I can talk to. I don't have that support. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. There's 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 always something out there that can help you get through it. But like I said, you have to want to get through it. You have to want to push yourself through it. And I would just tell that person, hey, you can, you can. And to figure out your why, because we all have a why, you know, figure out that and, and you, you will be able to get through whatever situation that you might be going through, you know, but, but it's not going to be easy. I'm not even going to sit here and say that. I mean, because it's, it's not, like I say, I still have, I have some things that I deal with, Mm -hmm. but I'm constantly working on it. I'm constantly working on it because I'm pushing myself. I I have this never give up attitude, you know. Um, and so I would tell that person that, hey, you you you're gonna get through it, and it's, the road's not gonna be easy. But with the right mindset, a positive attitude, you will build that strength mm-hmm. to push through. You're gonna be, and I'll say that again. You're gonna build that strength to push through. That's gonna help you when you have those bad days, and there's there's someone there's there's someone or there's something out there that's gonna help you get through it you just have to believe it and for me it was having a support team and being able to pull from the things that i learned growing up day lee thank you for being on thank you for sharing your story you're gonna motivate thousands and thousands of people book coming soon what drives you right uh it's the drive the drive in you the drive in you uh we'll we'll go ahead and share it when whenever he does uh tune into espn july 23rd right yep july 23rd the region support the region not the money team not (laughs) not not, not money floor is the is the region the The region region. team and hopefully we get to you know as soon as your book comes out we'll let it come out for 
people to read it and get to know. And then I would love for you to come back and, you know, share your new experiences with us, you know, how, you know, that process and everything that goes on with that. Or even if you get booked to do schools already, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, okay. uh, you know, hopefully boost sales in that, those two. So I would love to be back on, come back on. But thank you for being here. I appreciate it. I'm motivated. I'm pumped up. I'm like, just, you know, it's, it's hard to explain. Like after I sit down and have like, especially powerful conversations like this, mm-hmm. just, like how I feel, you know what I mean? I feel like motivated, um, like the little things that bug you, like those are just little things, you know, like I shouldn't let that like ruin my day. You know, it, it just always like, just keep pushing. Yeah. Keep pushing. Cause it could be a lot worse. Uh, give them your Instagram that way. Uh, uh I'm just under Lee Tolson on, on Instagram, um, and Lee Tolson on Facebook. So you can follow me under, uh, Lee Tolson, L E E E. Uh, T-O-L-D-S-O-N on on Instagram. And of course, uh, whenever his book does come out, he's going to push it on there. Uh, we're definitely going to buy a, a few copies, have them sign them, and we'll give them away to some people. Uh, that way they, can t- they get to hear your story too or read your story. So again, thank you for coming on, dude. I truly appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. This, is, this was great. I just love having just real conversations. Exactly. And, and thanks for having me on. What you're doing is, what you're doing is great. You're doing appreciate is great. it. I love it. Appreciate it. And thank you guys for listening. And we'll catch you guys on the next one. All right. See you guys. Say bye. All right, bye. Thanks. Gracias a Dios por todos los blessings que se caen diario. Sin embargo, no me canso, sigo dando palo. Vamos a pegar un día de esto para salir del bar. No te pongas triste. Esto es un flow universal. Y sé lo que dijo Dios, no lo que quise. De la maldad que Dios me libre. Y el respeto se gana, manito. Eso no se consigue. Dale, ven. Te quiero ver, goce y pasarla bien. Vamos, mira que caliente se ha puesto el weekend. La temperatura.